0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. I'm Hi, and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol, episode one of season six in the Zoom room. I'm joined with Michelle from King Lake. Michelle's one of the graduates from my previous six week challenge. I'm getting Michelle in today because I had a request from someone recently wanting to hear from. She said, I love your podcast, but I want to hear more from people who are really early on in their sobriety. And she wanted to hear, I guess, more that kind of rawness of what it's like early on. I said to her, I've got just the person. So Michelle, welcome and thank you for joining us today. How are you?
1: Hi, Danny. Yeah, I'm great. I'm a little flattered to be invited onto your podcast. As you know, I'm a bit of a fan and I've been
0: listening to you for years, a couple of years. Yeah. So thanks for having me. I'm so stoked that you said yes, and I'm really stoked to have you on, and yeah, it's it's fantastic. What's the weather like there in King Lake? It's freaking cold there, isn't it?
1: Well, it is.
0: It's freezing,
1: but it's not foggy today for a change, which is lovely. So, um, yeah, but it's freezing. I just wish it would just snow, make it all worthwhile. (laughs) Absolutely. The
0: fire's roaring. So um it's nice and cozy and warm. It's beautiful. Absolutely love it. My brother, who you know, and my Uh sister who you now know, because you went and introduced yourself to her the other day. They live in King Lake. And I love going there and like getting in front of their fire and um and just getting cozy there. It's absolutely gorgeous. And I'll be down that way next week. So um I'm definitely gonna drop into yours and, and say hi and check out your pad Anyway, I digress. So yeah, so Michelle, today, as of today, you are three and a half months sober, 108 days. Well done. Congratulations, my friend. And as you said, you've been listening to the podcast for a while. And I remember getting an I remember getting an Instagram message, I think it was, or an email from you ages ago and saying that you knew my brother and my sister-in-law Karen introduced you to the podcast. Is that right? Yeah,
1: yeah, she did. Um I must have because I'd given up alcohol before. Tried, attempted. I'm friends with Karen, your sister in law, um, socials, and I had posted something about during COVID. I think I was angry about all the advertising for alcohol during COVID. Anyway, and mentioned something about, you know, trying to give up. And Karen, I saw her in the supermarket, and she said, Hey, she said, I saw your post. And um, my sister in law, and uh, brother-in-law gave up alcohol years ago and my sister-in-law does a podcast you should listen to it and I was like oh my god yeah I'd love to never listened to a podcast in my life so I didn't even know how to do that so um, <laughs> I had to work that out first and then I um yeah I found you and I started listening from the very first episode you and Ash and I was like shit these are my people like they're speaking my language so um greatest thing ever so I'm forever grateful to Karen in fact I ran into her again the other day I got all teary and started crying because I was just so grateful for you know finally doing your program which we'll talk about later had I not had she not told me look I probably would have eventually found you but yeah it was amazing and has I believe changed my life
0: oh god I wish everyone could say I'm just beaming this huge smile I love hearing that and that's just so awesome and thank you Karen I mean that's just it's fantastic I'm just I'm so stoked that she did and yeah and here we are so yeah so tell me what apart from here's my people what were you kind of really getting from the podcast what did you love about it because that's interesting to me just just real people
1: real people just it'd be a celebrity and then it would be just some regular everyday person just like me struggling with alcohol, uh, women, you know, that I related to hugely who were having their wine at night time when the kids were in bed and blah, 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 you know. It was just mm-hmm. so real. And, and I think what excited me most in the beginning was listening to your story because we come from similar Uh, childhoods in that we both grew up in regional Victoria I was in Bendigo you're in Castlemaine and that story related to me big time you know and then listening to Ash being a musician and you know I know about the drinking culture in the music world and it was just I just sat there and thought shit if these people can give up alcohol like what the fuck I surely can do it like it just gave me hope
0: that was it. That's so fantastic. Yeah, I really appreciate appreciate you saying that. And I think that's one thing with the podcast, I, you know, it's great to have celebrities on and people who are really well-accomplished, but I also like to have people not based on their Instagram following. You know, some people only select people if they've got a huge Instagram following, and yeah. that's not real to me. So I like to have, yeah, a whole gamut of people. So, yeah, thank you for saying that. I really appreciate it. So tell me a bit about when did you first start drinking? I was
1: about 14. And as I said, I, I grew up in Bendigo, and it was a bit of a drinking culture. I look, and I still truly believe that it's the company we keep. Like I, I went to school with kids who didn't do what I did, um, but whether I got in with a group who, you know, I was a bit of a bit of an extrovert, pretty keen to be loved and liked and popular. And I was the fourth child, so I've got three older brothers. Not going to dump on my mum, but I think she was done with discipline by the time I became a teenager. We're a super close family, fantastic childhood. You know, she was there. She was great, but she was more of a mate, I think, back then. You know, as I went through my teenage years, we had built this room on top of our house with a, um, like we we were a very middle class, um, lower class, middle class, didn't have a lot of money, but we got this room built on top and got a pool table. So I had a lot of my friends at my place, which was great, but quite often my friends would be down in the lounge room with my mum having a drink, you know. That sounds like my childhood. (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, so she was, you know, a fun mum, that's for sure. Yeah, I was sort of, you know, I had a lot of freedom. I think my three older brothers were trying to keep an eye on me and they kept me in in line, but um, some choices were made that I regret I just, yeah, wish maybe I'd had some more boundaries back then. So anyway, yeah, so I grew up in Bendigo. That went on and on um, till I was 17 and I had this idea that I wanted to leave school halfway through HSC. So I did and no one stopped me, which, you know, it's caused me a bit of grief as an adult. But I did and I got a job and you know, the partying probably stepped up a notch as well. And I just thought when I was 18, that's it. And I just thought I got to get out of here. I actually have to get out of here or I'm just going to spiral into this abyss forever. So I packed up and my best friend and I moved to Melbourne. We got our own house. I got a job within a week of moving to Melbourne, a really great job that ended up, you know, putting me on a great, career path then my life in Melbourne began which mm-hmm. was more partying bigger partying probably for for a good year with my girlfriend she decided to leave and go back to Vendigo um, for one reason or another it just wasn't for her and I was like no way in hell I'm staying right here so we advertised for a new flatmate and my husband moved in. Okay. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> Dirty and, dogs.
1: Yes. And I guess then, you know, our friendship group was quite large. The partying and nightclubs ended. We started, I don't know if you were the same, Danny, but in that era it was dinner parties, dinner parties, dinner parties. Every weekend we'd have a dinner party at a different couple's house and they were huge, you know, they, they were mm. massive, din- you know, this was pre-children. So lots of drinking, you know, but I don't think back then I had a problem. I think it was just standard, everyday drinking in your 20s. I certainly didn't not drink ever. Like Colin and my relationship has always been, I don't know, if I could explain it in one word, it's romantic. So we went on picnics with wine. We even went on bike rides with wine. You know, we'd pack a little backpack with a bottle of wine and some cheese, and we'd have dinners out with wine. We'd go camping, via other Glen, to get good wines. Look at how it was just so. And and I've always loved cooking. I'm actually a qualified chef, so cooking is my thing. I love it. So it's like every night I'd cook a gourmet dinner. So of course we had to have wine with it. And I never really thought about it back then. Like I didn't think it was wrong or. I don't know. I don't don't remember ever thinking, gee, we drink too much wine because that's just what we did. It's what everybody did. Yeah, it wasn't until much later
0: when I realised I had some issues. I can so relate to all that, that kind of all doing all those things with wine and it just does sound so romantic. When did it start to become a bit more pear-shaped for you?
1: Look, I I worked in advertising in newspapers. so I worked at the Herald Sun. I worked at the Age newspaper. Oh, my God, that environment is just so boozy, boozy, boozy. You know, I was taking clients to boxes at the MCG. It was crazy. And my, my biggest problem in even giving up alcohol, and I know a lot of people relate to this, is Friday night, the Friday night, the Friday night drinks after work. Yeah. Even, even when I became mum. You know, and Colin would finish work on a Friday. It's like, yay, it's Friday! You know, it's it's time for drinks. And um, so, I still still struggle with Fridays. Fridays are the days I super have to be focused and have a plan. I've learned that from you. Have a plan. Fridays, I always have a plan. So yeah, so that's that. And then I we had our first child in '97. I was a young mum. We actually moved to America for a couple of years. Lived in California for two years. I actually had our daughter over there, Vanessa. We moved back to Melbourne in two thousand. Yeah, then life went on as a young mum. Back into my mother's group, and oh, I don't know, Danny. I think I, I think I was an instigator. I think I was the one. Like I spend so much time thinking mm. about. Um, even now, not drinking. When, like, we are going on a houseboat on the Murray River um, in a few couple of weeks, well, no, a few weeks, and all you know, our closest friends are coming, and our kids are coming, and I'm just, I've been so sick with, how am I not going to drink on this boat with these friends? And I was talking to one of my best friends, Caroline, who's coming on the boat, and she said. Um, Mish, this is great. This is fantastic, you know. She's actually not a big drinker. And just in chatting to her, I realized that it was me. I'm the one that used to say at lunchtime, "Oh, let's have a bottle of wine with lunch." We were camping, "Let's have a bottle of wine at lunchtime." It was always me. So, I think there's a bit of relief for them that they're going to be able to just have a drink with dinner, you know, and not be pissed by dinner time because you know michelle started the party at lunchtime she can because she's great she was always the one that would say oh let's just make a mocktail and i'd be like no way why would i have a mocktail back off
0: (laughs) i swear i can relate to that because i remember my friend lisa i always sort of thought she was oh i kind of knew she wasn't that big a drinker but we drank together a lot but she can really pace herself really well and I remember sometimes I'd be going up there, and she goes, "All right, it's not going to be a, it's not going to be a, like big boozy event tonight. We'll just have a couple of drinks, whatever." And I'm thinking, hmm. and I started to realize, wow, that must have like I must have been the one instigating that. And there's been a few times in my sobriety where I've watched some other people that I know how they drink, and I've realized that wow, if I had been drinking, this dinner would have been an absolute shit show by yes. the end. But I can agree. Yeah, I had a bit of that as well. I think I was the instigator. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. wondering people listening are probably nodding their heads, going, mm-hmm, "That's me. That's oh, me." Yeah.
1: So yeah, even yeah. like those mothers' groups that I started to touch on, our mothers' groups would be quite often at a place that was central to us all in Kangaroo Ground, um, a place called Wellers. It's changed its name now, and it has this beautiful lawn area out the back and the gut, we knew the owners, so they used to set up a beautiful table for us and we'd have lunch and the kids would crawl around on the grass. Then as toddlers they'd run around on the grass and then as, you know, older kids they'd just play and have an absolute ball. And us mums would all be sitting there drinking wine. Like obviously it wasn't too much because, you know, when I think about it, we had to drive home with our kids. What the fuck were we doing? You know, why weren't we
0: in a park having a coffee? And Weller's is in the middle of nowhere. That whole kind of sitting around with the kids that, and with our babies while we sit there getting smashed, I was definitely guilty of that. Yeah. And it kind of puts like, Ooh, mm. <laughs> the fear of God into me a little bit. You, you know, thank God that sort of our kids came out okay. Yeah. And like exactly. you say, the drink driving and all the rest of it. Okay. And so when did it start to feel like it was becoming a problem for you?
1: Kids grew up. My kids were 10 and 11, and we got smashed by Black Saturday. With the bushfires. Yeah.
0: So that was February
1: 2009. And I'll be right. Now, Danny, I've spent the last couple of days since you asked me to do this talking. And as weirdly stupid as it sounds, when I say what I've realised, it should have been so obvious. Mm. Psychologists, it should have been so obvious. But anyway, um, we lost everything on Black Saturday. We lost our school camp. We own a school camp. My kids lost their school in Strathuon. We lost our house where we lived in at the camp. But more importantly, we lost people, friends, children. And um, we moved into a house. We we stayed with friends for a while and then we moved into a house down in Lower Plenty that a very good friend of ours put up for us. And um, we actually moved around two or three times in a year after that. Um, until we came back to our cottage in King Lake that we had had rented out at the time because we were living at the camp. Um, But we couldn't kick them out because they'd had a horrendous experience as well. Anyway, so my drinking, my God, cranked up, you know. Like um, we were rebuilding our camp. I was on school council rebuilding, helping rebuild the school. My kids were not doing too well. Um, and they were having counselling, so I was very focused on them. So I guess as a woman during all that, it wasn't about looking after me. It was about looking after everybody else and and getting, you know, getting us through. I remember having two massive panic attacks. One was because um, we'd lost everything, pots, pans, you know, we ran out pretty much with nothing. I even had to go and buy undies, you know, and I remember being in Target in Greensboro and I literally just had to sit on the floor and sob because I I just couldn't work out how ridiculous this was that I had a trolley full of brand new stuff. I still see this woman who still works at that Target who helped me that day And I'm just so grateful. But And I did it the same in a supermarket as well. And I just went through this period of I just didn't want to see anyone. I didn't want to talk about it anymore because, you know, if back then if you even said you were from King Lake, it was just, you know, everyone wanted to know stories and whatnot. So my drinking, I've realised, took a, you know, a massive leap then. It was my only thing. I couldn't sleep. Um, so at least if I drank you know I'd fall asleep just like that it's only now just looking through my life when knowing I was going to be talking to you that I've realized that you know 13 years ago that's when my drinking just became dependent it became my crutch it became my best friend it became everything for me I missed so much just this stuff I don't remember, you know, because I was drowning myself in, and and not I'm not a like people will be really surprised to hear this if they know me because I wasn't a drunk. Visually, people were saying, "But you didn't really drink that much." But really, do you have a problem? I don't, I don't think you got a problem, but you know, mine was tuck the kids into bed. You know, I've had a glass of wine with dinner, or or I've had a glass of wine making dinner with dinner. Tuck the kids into bed, then sit down, just lose myself in crap t v and drink wine, and then go to bed and then get up the next day and do it all again and the My job back then in those years after Black Saturday was just making sure during the day I was smiling for my kids, happy for my kids because I were terrified. Like I remember I'd pick up my kids from school, and my son would scan my face, scan my face for bad news because they got you know bad news day after day after day after day i'd always so he had these massive anxiety levels about whether I had bad news for him, you know when I'd pick him up so anyway to... well, they they're great now they've Colin and I made sure they saw psychs psychologists and did you see a psychologist for you? No, no, I didn't wow. back then. It's so, and-
0: like, I know because my family went through the bushfires as well and, and we lost people that we knew as well. And I just know the stress that they, that they went through and just to go through something like that. And you can imagine what that would do to the nervous system and also the nervous system of the kids. Mm. But to not get some counselling, I just think, wow, you know, well, Wow. I-
1: I know, and you know why I didn't. And I realise this because I could be a bloody psychologist now because I've analysed myself so much. But um, I ha- there's a thing called which you'd be well aware of survivor guilt.
0: Mm-hmm. I had that in the floods.
1: Yeah, mm. exactly, and it's awful. Like you know, I lost you know I lost so much that day, but I c- I knew people who'd lost their children. So I still had my kids, you know, I still had my husband and other people didn't. I had a friend lose a husband, you know. I So I just felt like I could never, ever cry um, hard done by. I was lucky. I was fucking lucky and I still am. But that's carried through for a long time, that survivor guilt, not feeling mm. like I'm worthy of stuff and that was what happened that day in the target I felt like I wasn't worthy of all this new shit why am I buying new toasters and kettles and dooners and and stuff anyway so I didn't get counseling because I didn't think I should get it there were too many people out there that needed more counseling than I did but I did years later I did years later because I knew I was drinking too much I put on so much weight I was lazy I was just in this hellhole that I knew and I did go and get counselling, but I had two sessions because they said, you know, oh, you've got PTSD. And I said, geez, you know, thanks Einstein. I pretty much (laughs) knew that. (laughs) And, and again, it was just too much for me. I just felt like I couldn't do it. So, um, you know, I just kept drinking. I, if, when I drank, I put on weight, but it was a bit like a, um, a bit like a, a merry-go-round. If I drink, I put on weight. I don't move. I get lazy. It's not about eating. It's about snacking and all that crap. You know, it's the stuff you do when you're drinking, sitting on the couch, watching TV, not getting up in the morning to go for that walk because you've got a hangover. And it's just a merry-go-round, on and on and on. And, um, and it's weight. The first thing that happens to me is I put on weight. So I've always had a weight issue because I drank and the domino effect of what drinking too much wine does to you so in 2016 i had a fall we were down in queenscliff on a beautiful romantic <laughs> weekend away <laughs> drinking i wasn't drinking that day when this happened but um i tripped walking off a bluestone step in queenscliff and turns out i fractured my ankle tore every ligament in it went to hospital ended up in crutches and a moon boot until the surgeon looked at it to see what he was going to do. But two days later I was sitting at home and my leg blew up and I got rushed to hospital because I had a blood clot. It was really bad. I ended up in ICU for three days. I had two surgeries. I had a stent put in um, because the clot went straight to my lungs. And I'll never forget, you know, when you're in the hospital and the weekend doctor, comes in and this woman walked in and was standing there reading my chart and she said oh goodness you're a lucky girl aren't you I'm sure they've told you you should be dead and (laughs) and I was like no no one's actually said that but um, I realized it was pretty serious anyway so that was bad and that that blood clot was a direct result of of alcohol. I have no doubt about it. I was overweight. I was not moving, you know, all of that. So I made a vow when I got out of hospital that I would give up drinking. And actually, no, 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 I didn't vow that I would give up drinking. I vowed that I would moderate drinking.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: And so what's that 2016? That's six years ago. So I gave up straight away for three months And I didn't do anything back then. I didn't listen to podcasts because I don't even know if they were around then. I didn't read any quick lit lit books. I didn't do anything. I just gave up for three months. I felt, wow, I can do this. You know, I can moderate. I can just go back to drinking one glass of wine, blah, blah, blah. Didn't happen. You know, after that, I did, you know, Feb Fast, dry, Dry July, still trying to prove to myself that I'm not a I don't have a problem with alcohol you know I can just moderate then funnily enough I was in Byron Bay in 2017 Um, Colin my husband was doing a positive psychology diploma up there I went with him for a bit of a holiday and I spent so much time sitting on that damn beach in Byron Bay that um, I just thought Colin was busy all day so I just had so much time to reflect and think about what had happened to me and how I was alive and I was still fucking it up and drinking and whatnot. So I vowed that I was going to give up alcohol for one year, one year, not forever, for one year and see how I go. Because obviously three months had failed, but I needed to do it for a year because that would fix me. So I, and and I know a lot of people on your podcast often talk about whether they tell people that they gave up drinking or whether they don't tell people that they've given up drinking this particular time I had a plan. So I wrote a letter to every single one of my family members, every single one of my friends. It was phenomenal. Like the support I got back was incredible. And, um, if, are you okay if I just read the first paragraph of what I wrote to people? Yeah, that's great. Please. So, um, I said, my health hasn't been so crash hot, as you all know, given all the issues I've had in this last year or so, I've realized I have to make some pretty serious changes so I can be around for a long time. I'm giving up alcohol, wine, for a year. I think we're all aware that I have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol. I don't classify myself as an alcoholic, but I do classify myself as an addict, I am a wine addict. My weight is suffering badly, which I continue to link back to the amount of wine I drink. This is something I need to do. Why a year, some of you may ask. Well, I gave up for three months last year and thought that that, doing that would help me have a new relationship with wine, but it didn't. I very quickly went back to old habits. I need to commit to doing this and I need your help. And everyone was amazing. So Mm. I did it for the whole year.
0: Can you and- just pause, Shell? Oh, sorry to interrupt, but if you dial that back into that, you know, I wasn't an alcoholic, but I was an addict. I was a wine addict. Mm. What was the thinking around that?
1: I think, you know, we all have this picture of the alcoholic in their head, in our heads, yeah. you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I was I was wine. Like I didn't drink anything else. I was fancy. <laughs>
0: like, yeah. Like, you yeah.
1: know. I, it was, it was glamorous what I did. I drank wine, you know, I didn't drink vodka or whiskey or, or, um, beer, God, Jesus beer, you know? So I figured, Oh, and if I ran out of wine and there was no wine in the house, like I didn't like cold drink scotch, you know, now and then there was, there was always other alcohol in the house I could have had, but I didn't because it was just wine. If I ran out of wine, that was it. It was all over. And, Mm -hmm. um, So that was my thinking that I'm not an alcoholic because if I was an alcoholic, I would drink whatever was here. But my Mm -hmm. thinking is that, well, I only drink wine, so I'm addicted to wine. I'm not addicted to alcohol. I'm
0: addicted to wine. It's so true because so many people feel like, well, if I don't drink hard spirits, then I'm not an alcoholic. Or if I don't get up and drink first thing in the morning, then I'm not an alcoholic. But an alcoholic or someone that has a dependency, the need, the alcohol, shows up in all sorts of different ways. And I agree. I remember feeling much the same that, you know, I was sort of a bit fancy because I drank really f- expensive wine. You know, I wouldn't drink that Jacob's Creek stuff. It was always, you know, <laughs> so that's what I'd be saying to myself. And, you know, and then later on it was, uh, and it's pretty cool how I drink whiskey, you know. So I had all these sort of parameters around and different ways in which I saw it, but I never considered that I was, that there was a problem because I was like, not that person.
1: Mm, exactly. That's interesting. Yeah, thank yeah. you. For, yeah, thanks yeah. for
0: sharing that. That's good. Okay. And,
1: then, and then there's, um. I read back, because I obviously journaled in that year that I gave up alcohol. I, I, I read this, which freaked me out a bit, just under three weeks now and I will be at my one-year mark. About a month ago I started to panic because I knew my year were, end was approaching and I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't ready to face the decision about what I was going to do. Whether I would continue not drinking or take it up again, and at what level, I wasn't ready for these decisions. I was enjoying the feeling of having no choice.
0: Mm. And that's so true, isn't it? When you take the choice away, yeah, it makes it. It's like there's no bargaining. There's no. It's not exhausting. It's not. You know. I lo- yeah. Totally agree. That and there's it, no choice, and it's, exactly. it makes it so much easier. Yeah. Have yeah. you
1: heard of um, Have you heard of Luke McKenna? He's um, no. got a company called Unleashing Personal Potential.
0: No. Anyway, he
1: Colin, my husband, is because we do a lot of positive psychology stuff at our school camp. And um, Colin sent me this only yesterday, coincidentally. And uh, he has this quote that's called, and it says 100% is easier than 98%. When you're 98% committed, you're not really committed. And then he's got this quote, which is not by him. It's by Helia, which I don't know who that is. But the quote is, willpower is for people who
0: are still uncertain about what they want to do. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Ash and I did a podcast on that exact thing, that exact thing, that 100% commitment is very different to 98% commitment because there's that little bit of doubt.
1: Exactly. 98% is interested. Committed is 100%.
0: Yep, and it's so like,
1: true. you know, when I, one of the times prior to this that I was giving up alcohol, we were, Colin and I were like, because Cole's given up with me quite mm-hmm. a number of times. And um, we'd go, oh, yeah, but if we go to visit Darcy in Paris, we have to have wine there. Like, we can't go to Paris and not have wine in Paris.
0: I remember thinking the same thing. <laughs> I can't do Europe and not have wine. Oh, my God. Exactly. Like, that would be ridiculous.
1: And if we, one of our kids get married, well, we have to have champagne at their wedding, you know. So it's it's just bullshit. So now I'm fucking, and that year that I took off, I was 100% committed. There were no ifs, buts, what's, anything. That was just what I was doing. And the freedom that I had in that knowledge that I had made myself accountable to my family, my friends, everybody, was, oh, it was like so much freedom. I just did it. I just did it. I did it easy. So you did it easy. And so what happened at the end of that? So at the end of that, how fucked up is this? At the end of that, we went to a beautiful winery in the Yarra Valley for dinner to celebrate my end of the year. And I had a glass of Chardonnay, no. Yes.
0: <laughs> no. I had a glass of
1: Chardonnay The Danny tasted like shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So do you want to know what happened next? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so I started drinking again. Didn't change a thing. Everything just came back within weeks. I was back to drinking a bottle of wine a night, every night. And then I have always kept journals. So I spent a bit of time recently going back and reading journals over the last 10 years, and they're horrendous. How many times I've written in there, I have to stop drinking, I have to lose weight, I have to stop drinking, I have to lose weight. Anyway, this is one that I wrote um, in July 2018. So I had given up from April 2017 to April 2018 so this is three months after my year was up and I was back at it again I drank last night again when I woke up this morning I felt awful I felt stupid I felt useless I feel guilty I hate that I'm feeling like this again one entire year off alcohol and I've just spent three months back where I was before my year off I have failed I feel so lost and disappointed. What the fuck is wrong with me? I'm so scared
0: and I'm so tired. Ugh. Oh, isn't that, yeah, it just breaks my heart to hear that because you're thinking of how you felt before and then straight back, straight back to that feeling of mm-hmm. hating yourself and what the fuck is wrong with me. I mean, oh. Yeah. But never, you know, we never say what the fuck is wrong with alcohol. Yeah, exactly. We blame ourselves. What
1: the fuck is wrong with me? Exactly. You know. And again, another one when I gave up. They go on year after year, but the most recent one, which was a year ago, I gave up for. uh, At this point, it was seven weeks, and I said, "I've." The next day, I've written in my journal, "I hate myself. I'm such a disappointment to me. Loser, hate, ashamed, disappointed, dumb, worthless." These were I'd written them in huge. Monster letters in my journal. Oh, horrible, horrible things that I was saying to myself. Yeah, it was bullshit. It was just terrible. I felt sick. I like everyone that you know. Lots of podcasts that I've listened to with you. You wake up feeling guilty. Like I never. I got Darcy and Vanessa, my kids, to read when we were towards the end of my program with you, and we did our goodbye letter to alcohol. I actually let my kids read that and it was a real surprise for my kids they said gee mum I we didn't know that the problem was that bad we didn't know that you felt like that we didn't know that you had all this hatred for yourself um because they didn't really see me drunk you know at at, at events weddings whatever they'd see me funny tipsy because I'm hilarious Denny um (laughs) As my my husband constantly says, you're a very funny woman, Michelle French, and <laughs> uh, particularly when I've got a bottle of wine under my belt. So that you know, they saw the fun, funny side. They didn't see the sad, sad side. Although I've, I, I didn't know whether to share this or not. This is bizarre. I told my kids also that I was coming on to do this podcast and just wanted to check with them that they're okay if I talk about them, you know, whatnot. And Darcy said, oh, my God, Mum, this is bizarre. He said, I had something happen to me two weeks ago and I haven't told you about it, but I probably should. And um, as I said, he's living in Paris at the moment and his girlfriend's been over there with him for a few months. And, um anyway, she went out this night with friends and Darcy didn't go and he was home in bed, which... Like you said, this is the first time ever he's been home in bed and she came home late from being out. And when she got home, she leant over and gave him a goodnight kiss and he had a massive flashback of me tucking him in at night and giving him a kiss, goodnight. Because, and he said it wasn't a bad memory. It was actually fantastically beautiful memory because it just took him back to me tucking him in and giving him a kiss good night. But obviously she had wine on her breath because she'd, she'd just had a few wines with dinner and whatnot. So, um, and, you know, it was like me, you know, I'd had the glass of wine cooking dinner and making dinner and then popping the kids in bed, tucking them in, giving them a kiss And he just, yeah, had that flashback to my wine breath. Mm.
0: And luckily that was a good memory for him, but it is interesting and it is hard to hear that, wow, that smell of wine on someone's breath is is connected to a lot of core memories for my kids. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Okay. And so can you fast forward then to, okay, so you're back drinking again um, after your one year and obviously that's, that was a few years ago so you you ended up did you get back to a point where it was starting to feel unmanageable or that you're wanting to change it
1: yeah so I was just disgusted with myself on a constant basis and um I got to a point where with um COVID you know being home drinking eating not moving um my i have arthritis in my knees anyway from years of playing tennis and netball but they got progressively worse and worse and worse and worse and due to being overweight so my surgeon who i'd seen over the years finally said you you definitely need a new knee your right knee is just terrible but he actually said to me i actually need you to lose 20 kilos before i can do the surgery and i was like okay wow, you know, and I went home thinking, shit, what am I going to do? I can't, um, I can't lose weight without giving up alcohol. So I was probably driving home from there listening to your podcast, you know, it was getting closer and closer for me. And um, I started to try and just move, get healthier, without the drinking, giving up the drinking. And, it, you know, I lost a couple of kilos and it wasn't really working for me. And then I saw um, Medibank, who I'm insured with, had a program called the Better Knee, Better Me program. And you had to apply for it and go through interviews and whatnot, and you had to qualify for it. And it was basically a year program where they provide you with a dietitian, a physiotherapist, a Fitbit, bands, all sorts of things to get you to lose weight to try and put off having a knee replacement and great program. Cause obviously it costs him a lot of money for people to have a knee replacement. And I checked with my surgeon, he thought it was a fantastic idea to give that a go because all his um, knee replacement surgeries had been put on hold anyway, because of the wait list on COVID and whatnot. And I got accepted into the Medibate program. So I was so excited And I thought, yep, I can do this. I can do this. So all of a sudden I was accountable to them because they were investing money in me doing this program. And I thought, oh God, what am I going to do about the alcohol? And I happened to be listening to Michelle from Brisbane and.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Another awesome Michelle.
1: Yeah. And Michelle was talking about doing the program. Um I think there, it was the Kate had also been on just prior to that. Mm-hmm. And I was just listening to them and I thought, oh fuck it. You know, I felt like I knew you anyway. And that's when I sent you the letter and said, I'm gonna do the program because oh that's what it was. And funnily enough you were talking to Michelle and you said in that podcast about the um the program that was starting on May 1st, which was only a few weeks away. And you were saying you know and you gave yourself a dig for doing such a big plug but i'm not kidding that plug just moved me off my ass i got home emailed you straight away said i'm doing it you sent me out the the book the journal and i started um i stopped drinking on march 29 so april 3rd, I, i'm going to say april 1st was my kind of first day Not drinking, and um, I also started the Better Better Me program. And this is some advice I've got now that now we're really back to what I did in those three these past three months. Great, I took myself away for a week. I went, Fuck it, I can't afford to go on a give up alcohol retreat right now, but I'm going to hire an Airbnb. I hired an Airbnb down in Aries Inlet, Anglesey, and I left Cole at home. I took the dog. I went down. I started doing the exercises for the better me, better me program. And I stopped drinking and I knew I was going to be really shitty to live with for the first week. I knew that I would be withdrawing, not, not in a big way, but I knew I'd be having my withdrawals from not having wine and, and I was eating really well as well. And, um, you know I knew I was just going to be shitty as, so I went away for this week best thing I've ever done in my life it was and I was down on the beach so I got to do Hugo my dog and I did two beach walks a day and I just really got time to get focused in my head and knew what I wanted to do and I was freaking listening to you I was reading books that you guys recommended and I had it was basically four weeks till we started the the program on May 1st so by the time May 1st come around came around I was super focused and you know what back to that bloody quote about 100% I was 100% committed to this and you know, I told my close family what I was doing again and I felt terrible because they've heard it before over and over again. But um, I don't have a lot of people around me that don't drink. So I don't have a lot of people that understand what it's like to give up alcohol when you're so dependent on it. They don't have the problem that I have. Um, my bestest friend in the entire world um, who I drank with madly, the two of us in our 20s, in our 30s, in our 40s, moved to Sri Lanka like over 10 years ago, 15 years ago maybe, and um, she lives over there and gave up alcohol eight years ago, just sober, like just like that. I mean, it wasn't just like that. It was bloody hard. But she was so far away. I couldn't have that sort of. And then I felt so guilty time after time you know giving up for the year giving up for three months giving up for one month I just got sick of telling her that I'd failed and I felt like she doesn't even know this I haven't even told her but I just felt guilty I felt like I'd let her down when her and I were just you know we were crazy together in our drinking days and she'd done it you know and I I hadn't and she kept sending me yoga stuff and meditation stuff and so taking that week off was incredible. I came home back to, you know, the home environment where I usually have my one bottle, one and a half bottles of wine every night. I just did stuff, Danny. I knitted to keep my hands busy. So I'd, I'd still sit there and have a nice drink of, you know, I'd make a soda and lime and whatnot. I'm very much into making my drinks look fancy. So even if I had it in a wine glass or I had it in a beautiful, you know, big, long, tall glass, I would always make my drinks look fancy. And I've got an amazing husband who I used to think his drinking issue was as big as mine. (laughs) But turns out I'm an instigator. He's blown me away because, you know, at no point did I say he has given up with me over the years. Um, But this time I said Jim, this is about me. This is me. This is me owning my problem. You do whatever you want. Um, However, he has been incredible enough not to drink wine at home, which is good.
0: Great. And I think if you can have the support of your partner, and not everyone is lucky enough to have that, Mm -hmm. but just respectfully asking if even in the first couple of weeks, would you mind not drinking at home just to support me? Because this is important to me. I think that's a really nice way of, you know, kind of letting them know and yep. not forcing them because it's a big change for them but and even saying i understand it's a big change for you and it might be might inconvenience you a little bit but this is super important to me and could just support me in that i think for people listening that can be helpful absolutely.
1: absolutely and and like you know even now i would struggle if he came home and drank wine but you know he'll come home maybe have a beer maybe after dinner he'll just have a scotch and i'm like so cool with that you know but then he'll say oh I'll put the kettle on do you want a tea you know like I just love him so much he just you mm-hmm. know he just doesn't drink much now because of yeah. me which he loves too you know he's get he's healthier from not drinking and that's just the two of us together drinking we're just it was just too much and uh, mm, egg yeah. each
0: other on a bit I, I can relate to that with ash because he'd get home and or, or even like yeah as soon as we started together we were <laughs> was terrible when kind of that you know we won't have any more and then we get to the end and it's like oh come on you go go to the bottle shop and get a couple more and yeah we sort of definitely would egg yeah, each other true. on for sure okay so that's really great so we want to focus on especially like the first kind of few weeks so the first week you went away Yep. That's not available to everybody. Mm. So how did you navigate things like stress at home? Or you said that you like to drink and cook. That's a really big trigger for some people, cooking and drinking. It was for me. Yeah, And I know what I did, but I'd like to hear what you did. How did you navigate cooking and not drinking?
1: Okay. So I tried um, buying some non-alcohol wine, um, but they all tasted like crap. So... I just thought, what the fuck am I drinking this for? Because it actually tastes awful. Um, so I would, like I said before, I would make a drink and make it look beautiful and fancy. And, you know, I'd photograph it and send it to my my core group, you know, whether it was um, I've got an incredible sister-in-law who's my number one cheer squad and her and my brother, you know, I'll I'll often share with them how I'm feeling, whatnot. Um, I'd send it to my kids, you know, because my kids are so proud of me and what I'm doing. They're just, oh, my God. So, you know, I'd just send them photos of beautiful drinks and I'd be cooking dinner. I'd be happy. And then I'd sit down, we'd have dinner. I, I must say in those three months, um I'm very, very focused on sitting at the dining table to have our dinner and always have been with my kids, you know. It's where you have your best discussions and whatnot. But obviously the kids don't live at home anymore. It's just Cole and I. But we still would sit down at the table, have a beautiful meal, glass of wine, blah, blah, blah. So unfortunately uh, we sort of have stuck into sitting and watching not crap TV because Cole's very much into not, you know, he doesn't watch the news. He doesn't watch crap TV. Yeah, he's just like my time is best watching something that's going to benefit my brain. Oh, um, he's my guy.
0: Like, yeah, he is. You, you,
1: you two would be just <laughs> best buds, I'm telling you. Yeah. does my head in sometimes when I just need crap TV to just tune off and turn off. So, you know, we'd watch something really good on TV or, a you know, a um, TED Talk or something. And we'd eat yeah. our dinner at the or we'd listen to music put a spotify on sit it in I just had to take it away from the celebratory dinner where wine was always such a focus so Mm. you know I don't know for some reason interesting yeah
0: weird it's weird the things you do no I Um, think that's great that's a great takeaway for people listening to yeah. yeah perhaps if it was the big celebration dinner and you know making some elaborate food and always having to have wine then perhaps yeah perhaps changing it up a yeah. little bit or doing it a little bit differently yeah. can can help definitely just try and change
1: things if there's a if there's a trigger my trigger was sitting down to dinner um, change it change sit somewhere else do something mm. that worked for me big time and then after dinner yeah i talked about knitting I've, I've done a lot of knitting Um, (laughs) I've become so creative I have got a little room in our place that I set up for mosaicing so I would often just if I was like oh my god I need a glass of wine I'm sitting here I would just take me down myself down to that room where I never drank like you know I've never drunk in that room it used to be a dump junk room so I change it into a place where I could go and do mosaicing and I would sit there and just lose myself in creating just a stupid crappy mosaic that was not going anywhere it was just something and then I discovered um paint by numbers um that's right
0: I remember when you posted in the group
1: about that yeah yeah and honestly that 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 is what I attribute most to distracting myself because it's actually quite mobile I'd sit there with my painting canvas and I would just lose myself in it. And if I wasn't doing it there, I was sitting here at the kitchen table and I would do it and I would lose hours, Danny, hours. Just It was like I went into a meditative state. Yes, and, well, you did.
0: Yes. Yeah, I did. And I didn't even think about drinking. Like, oh, that is so cool. So paint by numbers. So what is that? Is that just like? So you get a kit and um,
1: it comes with little numbered tubs of paint. And on the canvas, it's all numbered. So, and it comes with brushes and everything. I'm not an artist. I cannot draw, or I'm yeah, like either. I, I can't
0: draw a stick man.
1: No one ever wanted to be my partner in pictionary because <laughs> me just, too. I am so bad. So the concept that I'm doing paintings is just freaking hilarious, and they turn out really well. And oh. I don't care if they don't, to be honest, because the whole point of this is just to get me through. Um, keeping occupied and busy and not focusing on having a glass of wine in my hand.
0: Oh, and- Michelle, that is just so awesome. So for people yeah. listening, like even if you don't feel like you're artistic and I'm not, I just think that's such an awesome oh, thing I, to do yeah. and not being concerned about how it looks, just more about the process of doing yeah. it and enjoying what you're yep. doing I think is fantastic.
1: Yep, it is just so lovely and you can do it solo you can do it in a room with other people it's it's just and it it just takes me away from thinking too much like you know you just got to change things up a bit that's all
0: that's so awesome that is such solid advice and I really appreciate that so changing things up doing things differently and yeah perhaps trying something new without being too involved in worrying about what it's going to be like at the end but just enjoying the process
1: yep exactly like Mm. i'm sure there's some you know type a people that will get a bit anal with it and but you don't have to once you've done one you realize that you don't have to be anal about it because it's a painting (laughs) so you know you look at people who paint you know there's no in between the lines it's like and and then you start feeling yourself be a little bit creative, you know. You might go, oh, I like the red there a bit better than the
0: burgundy or whatever. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. you go. You start know. to, yeah, definitely. Yeah. The other thing I loved and I wanted to just um, cycle back to was that you said that you took photo photographs of your mocktails or fa- photographs of your fancy drinks and shared it with key people, mm. and I think that is an absolute killer idea. Um, my sister Debbie, who you've met from King Lake, totally different but every time like we cook and we both love we (laughs) love and we send each other photographs of the food we we make you should see our um you should see our message streams it's just like (laughs) food like meal after meal after meal I love it because then we're I'm celebrating something I'm doing and and so is she and it gives us ideas so I think that's such an awesome idea so if you're making yourself a fancy drink or if you're just proud anything that you're enjoying in the moment that's not it's not to do with alcohol or something that's helping you yep. share it with someone, you know, share it with anybody that's going to kind of go, yes, that's, that's really cool. Exactly. Yeah.
1: exactly. And you'd be surprised how much people love getting it and sharing it. And then they boost you even more,
0: you know, and go, yay, you know,
1: I might yeah. make that too, you know,
0: uh, yes, crazy. I think that's awesome. That's really awesome. And also, so my other question was going to be, which was from this person, but, you know, dealing with those cravings, and that would be very much it, wouldn't it, just to go oh, and definitely. kind of, yeah, yeah. change or it up. What
1: everyone says, walk away, journal, write it down, um, you know, just, just, just take yourself away from the thought as much as you can. Mm-hmm. And for me that was, yeah, doing that painting. I just lost myself completely, you mm-hmm. know. And yeah. you feel good, you know. You feel really good. It's
0: like, like you've accomplished something. Yeah, yeah. And,
1: and one thing you keep telling me too is don't overthink stuff. You know, mm. like I had my first party, big party, in this three months about a month ago. One of our crew. Um, uh, one of our managers in our at our camp, it was her 30th birthday. We actually had her party at the camp because it's a fantastic venue for that sort of thing. And um, anyway, I was so nervous because I wasn't going to be drinking and it's a, we're a big, you know, party culture. And uh, Michelle, again, was always the instigator, life of the party, everyone in our crew, you know, they've all got a story when, you know, Mish did something hilarious because she drank too much. Anyway, I, w- I was very nervous, very anxious leading up to it. I went, and I have a friend who I was really worried about um, because once I had been given a comment in one of my other give up drinking stages that um, they prefer the old Michelle, and I remember when you that,
0: shared that with the group, yeah, yeah.
1: and. That stayed with me and you know, I just I just couldn't get rid of that thought that everyone would prefer the old Michelle, not 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 me, not drinking. So anyway, I went into his 30th birthday on a friggin' mission, that I was going to be partying like everyone else. No one would even know I wasn't drinking. I was gonna dance, I was gonna, you know, do everything. And um, two things happened at that party which were phenomenal for me. The one, the first one, which is relevant to that, is let's call that person Belinda, Um, it was about quarter to one in the morning and I'm still up there dancing, right? I've had the best night, I've had great fun, I haven't drunk, had great conversations with people and I was dancing and I remember saying, where's Belinda? Because, you know, it's Belinda watching me dance and have fun and they went, oh, she left hours ago. I was like what you know like she's not seeing me here partying till 1am in the morning anyway so that was funny but the other one which was much more amazing and this is what I want people to understand is for me anyway I I have a staff member whose partner came to this party and we'd never met her before and um anyway I remember seeing her sitting on her own and everyone was dancing and she was watching. And I went over and sat down and said, oh, you know, hey, Rach, how are you going? And she said, yeah, yeah, I'm good. And she obviously wasn't drinking um, at all, maybe. And if not, not very much. And um, I sat with her for 45 minutes and we just had the best conversations and shared so much about her partner who works for us and how much he loves his job with us and how we're family. And and I asked her about her and what she did and, um, you know, just so much about her. And, Danny, on Monday, James came up to me and said, Mish, have you got a minute? And I said, yeah, yeah, sure. And he said, I just want to thank you for taking so much time to make Rach feel so welcome on Saturday night. And, oh, my God, I burst into tears because I, I just hit me like a ton of bricks that the old Michelle, I would have given her maybe five minutes max, because I I would I know when I drink, I'm not present with anybody. I'm always looking over what, what's next, who I can talk to next, what I can do next. Will I dance, get another drink? Have I got a drink? You know, I'm just never present. And. For him to actually thank me for being so present with her and taking the time, I thought, fucking hell, you know, this is amazing. And she wasn't the only one. I had so many great conversations with people that night. And um, funnily enough, I was telling my one of my best friends uh, I had lunch with her the following weekend when we were down in Eltham, it was a Sunday, having a nice lunch, and um I was telling her that exact story because she's, again, one of my main supporters of giving up drinking, and she's my friend who can moderate. You know, she just has a couple of wines and then makes a cup of tea, you know, the one you hate. But anyway. Um <laughs> Yeah. I, could so I, was tell- I was telling her this exact story, and she was just staring at me, and I said, what's wrong? And she said, oh. Mish, have you ever, ever wondered why when we talk, used to talk, I would talk so fast? And I said, what do you mean? She said, you don't remember that I'm always talking so fast? It's because I feel like I need to talk fast to get out what I want to say before you lose interest in me.
0: Oh, whoa. Oh, how did that land?
1: Oh, right in the bloody heart, I tell you, and between the eyes. It was like, oh, my God. And she said, I didn't know whether to say anything, but she said, I have actually, before you even told this story, realised how present you are with me here right now today.
0: Hmm. Like,
1: you know, and and we're best mates. So we, we're not always drinking, you know, we're not always together. You know, we we spend lots of time where we're not drinking. But I think even when I wasn't drinking, I'm, I was like that because alcohol It's Mm. never out of not out of my body. You do know what I mean? Like I drink every day.
0: And it makes us so So scattered.
1: It does. Makes me scattered. Makes me Mm. foggy. Makes me and I was like, holy shit. So this is what I found. Even just after three months, I am just so much more present with my friends, with my family, with anybody. I just Mm. oh my God. It is Mm -hmm. and I know. I just feel like people say to me, really, is this it? Is this forever? It is so forever. It is so forever because I feel the shift. I know the shift is different. And joining the program with you guys, and that's the other thing I forgot to say, was when I was listening that day to you talking to Michelle about the program coming up on the 1st of May, it just hit me. I thought... This is the difference. I need to do this because I need, I need a team behind me. I don't have that. I don't have people who get it. I don't pe- have people that I can talk to and say, you know, I'm really struggling. I really need a wine. There's no one else I can tell that to because they don't get it. They don't get that it is an addiction. It is. It's horrible, and. I all of a sudden realised that I needed to have not just accountability because I feel I have that with this group as well. You know, now the program's finished and I'm in the grad group. I'm so sad that for people who haven't joined the grad group because it's just so important to me. Even if I don't post, even if I don't um, join every Zoom, they're there for me. You know, yesterday one of the other girls cried out for help. And yeah. I'm just I got so teary about support that she had. And I, you know, I, you probably you saw my comment that what a little family we have. And it, yeah. we're we're all we've all been there, you know, and what what you do, Danny, is honestly, you've changed my life. And oh. I just um I'm so grateful that I finally did it because you know, I I'm I feel amazing. I feel I feel different to any any time before. I'm just so grateful and focused and fucking I, I've got a quote. I've got my favorite quote. I've written it down. We all have two lives. The second one starts when you realize you only have one. Mm. And that's massive for me. You know, I just feel like I want to be, you know, I, I'm I'm at the second half of my life. I want to travel. I want to, you know, do stuff. I want to walk. I want to hike. I want to, and I could never do that with my knees. Now I've lost 15 kilos since starting this. Woo! My knees are feeling great. My health is much better. Oh, I don't have fatty liver anymore.
0: That's awesome. Did you get some tests?
1: I did. Oh, I did. So that's, that's great. My health is, and, and I. that's why I had to do this. It's not about, you know, the weight loss isn't about being skinny or any of that bullshit. My weight loss is about walking, hiking, having knees that operate, not getting out of bed in pain, um, you know, and that's all
0: happening, you know, I'm yeah on the road. It's the difference too in like... Um, being just sober or just doing life and sort of getting by but actually thriving yeah and it's like you're thriving that's what I feel
1: I'm thriving I've even been on a holiday you know and I smashed
0: it it was so amazing yeah did you do more internal work this time around than you did
1: last time definitely definitely and and you know one of the other things when I first started listening to your podcast and that and you had a lot of you know people who became yogites and you know <laughs> and and you know uh, meditation and all that and I used to think, oh, fuck this isn't for me you know I just you know I do journal i've I've journaled all my life I can do that you know maybe I, I wish Danny would get some just real normal people like me that are just after hours mums drunks you know i I try to meditate I'm doing my best I love it you're amazing when you do it I'm off straight away I'm finding my way I just got to get to that daily practice thing some reason it's the end of the day and I'm in bed and I go fuck I forgot to meditate (laughs) it's like what the hell what do you mean you forgot to meditate you could do it for five minutes just so Mm -hmm. I'm still working on that but I'm you know I'm far from perfect I journal most days um you know I because that is that is great but yeah I there's a, there's a saying, and I'm not sure whether it was yours, but do something every day, every single day, 365 days a year, that will contribute to, you know, where you're going. And I do that. Whether it's a podcast, I'm always reading a book. Now it's always a book. And one day that'll end and I'll go back to novels and and stuff. But at the moment I'm still reading, you know, any book that comes up on our on our group, you know, I grab it. Mostly audio books, which is great because you can walk and Mm. always doing something that will contribute to this. So I am definitely doing a lot more. Sorry, I'm pointing at my head. I'm doing a lot more up here than I ever did before on any other occasion.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the big difference. And you're so right. Like do something every day that's going to get you a step closer towards who you want to be. Do something every day that will contribute towards your sobriety and towards your thriving in sobriety. It's very different, very, very different between just white knuckling it or thriving, very different kind of thing. So hundred percent shell, like Like, it doesn't matter if if you, I prefer you were meditating, of course, but um, something every day and that's great. And if that's all you've got, that's all you've got, but at least it's something and it's a positive step forward to where you want to be. The
1: other thing is I don't beat myself up if I don't journal or I don't meditate uh, because I know I've done something. Yeah. I know every day I've done something, even if I'm just sitting there thinking about it. Do you know what I mean? It's like I'm always working towards
0: where I'm going. And so fantastic. Yeah. yeah. The main goal, like you can set yourself goals, but your main goal has to be to get through the day without drinking. That's the main goal. Yeah. You know, end of story. That's the most important goal that you can tick off. (laughs) The the biggest thing in your to-do list, that's the thing to tick off. The main thing that I try to teach people in the challenge is learning to sit with your feelings and trying to feel where they are in the body and how, you know, if we can put all of our attention on the feelings rather than trying to escape them or making them wrong, But to just be with them, that they then lessen their grip on us and we realise they're not something we need to fear and therefore we don't react as much, that we become more present with our feelings. Mm. How was that for you?
1: That was massive because I guess I looked back on my life and the best example I can use is you've talked to us a lot about losing your dad and how present you were and how, Life changing it was to spend that time with him and 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 be so present. Whereas you know you talked about in your past life you would have probably been pissed and and you know not present and all that. I um I also lost my dad, but a long time ago. He was very young. He was fifty nine. I was I think I was twenty three, and um, when he died, oh my god! I actually can barely remember his funeral. Not because I was, well, I assume I probably did get, uh, drink too much at the wake because I don't have a great memory of it. Um, but, yeah, I numbed everything with alcohol. I numbed everything with wine after, while it was happening. I mean, he died really quickly. So there was, but, like, I mean, the day of, the day after, you know, I just, and now I'm feeling stuff, you know, I'm you know, under your suggestions about, we'll just sit and be quiet and listen and feel. Um, yeah, I just—it's scary. God, it's bloody frightening sometimes. Going really, do I have to sit and do this? <laughs> mm-hmm. Makes me think too much. But um, no, incredible. Has yeah. that given you some freedom or oh, massive? Yeah, massively. Almost to the point where I feel like, um, you know, I've had a lot of tragedy in my life, with particularly with Black Saturday. I think I, I just feel so confident now that, you know, I don't, I'm not asking for something bad to happen to me, but I just know that I will have more tragedy in our lives as we get older and whatnot. And I know that next time it happens, I'll be present. I'll be there. And I'll be there for me. Most of all, I'll be there for me, but
0: I'll be there for everybody else. Oh, my God. Boom. Being Mm. there for yourself rather than. Yeah. Yeah. That's so huge. And look, for people that are listening, that's probably one of the main things. And you don't need to join my challenge to learn this, to be able to be present with your feelings and what's showing up. So when you're having the craving or if you're having a big emotion, take a moment, take a breath just see if you can sit with it for a bit. You might not be successful every time and that's fine. It might seem too scary, but just see if you can first breathe in, breathe into it. See if you can see where it's landing in the body. Is it showing up in, as a knot in my stomach or flutters in my chest or tightness in my jaw and just, just be with it. Don't try make it wrong. Don't, don't think, don't wish it away. Just be there and, and say, okay, I, I acknowledge you, I I feel you, I see you Mm. and see what happens with it. Take maybe 30 seconds to a minute when I work with someone on this stuff, we sit there and try and describe it, see what it feels like. Is there anything it wants to express or say? Usually, and then just completely put all of our attention, really just on it, shine a light on it. And pretty much by the end of that minute, I'll say, and and what's happening with it now? Oh, it's dissipating. Mm. Usually, all the time. Very rarely, it's someone will say it's getting worse, it's getting worse. It's like, wow, okay, you know, and and that's life changing. Mm, it is. It I've really, learned so really much is.
1: about mm. that, doing that, mm-hmm. even the the stuff you do with Sam, Sam Brown. You've invited us to join it again with your new program next week, and mm-hmm. I'm like, hell yeah, you know, I'm going to do that again because when you said breath work in the beginning to me I was like oh Christ here we go you know (laughs) like I don't know if I'll be joining in on those and that first one I slept like a baby that night for for the first time in ages so um yeah I can't wait to do it again and that's all about you know I've never I've never um been so aware of deep breaths Mm -hmm. you know and how beneficial just stopping and thinking and thinking about stuff, feeling stuff. It's all good because that's all relevant to something good that happens too in our life. Sometimes something great happens. The first thing we do is turn to bloody alcohol to celebrate it To And we all get pissed because, you know, you know, my son just finished his master's in Paris and this is something we've been waiting for years on um, because of COVID. He had to come home and didn't finish it and now he has and he's coming back next week and I just can't wait to celebrate him and be present and not do it with a bottle of champagne or a bottle of wine, you know, just sit with him and talk about
0: it and, you know. And be present. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. How will you celebrate it with him? Because that was always a big thing for us. Um, I've talked about it a few times on the podcast about, you know, how do we celebrate you know, and remembering early on in our mine and Asha's sobriety, fuck, this great thing's happening. How the hell am I going to celebrate it? Yeah. So how, how will you celebrate that with your son? Um, I'll cook him up an absolute
1: feast of all his favourite food. And um, it'll be about just family sitting around the table, eating great food, and it won't be about the alcohol at all. Yeah. Yeah. No way.
0: It'll be about him and celebrating him. him. Yep. Yeah that's so beautiful isn't it it's like you actually celebrate what you're celebrating and really connect and and being so present yep yeah Yeah. that's so beautiful michelle oh my god that's amazing we're gonna have to wrap up because my computer is about to go flat (laughs) we could chat all day i'd love to um perhaps you know maybe we could do this again in, in your six months yeah. And then, you know, months and 12 months would be really yeah. great for people following to hear how yep. you're going and things that you're learning along the way. That's um
1: well a little incentive for me.
0: Yes, that's great. And also I look forward to seeing you in the breath work next week. Yes. With the group. Um, I do have a new, I actually just had a sign-up today for the new challenge. We've got a group currently going at the moment and they're amazing and early days for them. And they're doing really well. There's a new challenge starting also in September that's open for registration if anyone wants to join that or hit me up with questions about it. But before we go, Shell, firstly, I want to acknowledge and honour you for what you went through in the bushfires. And I, I really mean that from the bottom of my heart because to me that just sounds horrific and even if you still did have your kids, You know, even if you didn't lose your house, the fact that you went through that and that collective stress in that community and what you all went through is massive. And so I really do want to acknowledge what you went through. If you could go back and talk to Michelle that was going through that, what would you say to her?
1: Oh, God, don't turn to the wine. Just don't. It's actually going to make things worse. It's going to make you more anxious. It's going to make you unable to feel, you know, feel what I should have felt back then rather than just numbing it. And, yeah, it's just not, it's so the wrong answer, turning to alcohol to think, you know. I mean, we grow up, don't we, thinking, you know, adulthood thinking that it's, you know, the wine or the whatever that will make us feel better, get us through this, you know. And that was the hardest part about these three months. It was in that beginning, that that whole, oh, God, I need a drink, you know. Oh, God, I, I deserve a drink after that day, you know. Oh, it's just ridiculous. So, yeah, if I could talk to myself back then, it would be, yeah try and try and do it without the wine. would have been a whole different
0: recovery i think yeah yeah perhaps and from from what you'd said too hate to you know but also just going back on what you said earlier when we talked about it to to perhaps honor how you were feeling mm. to consider yourself and what you're going through because it seemed as though you pushed you aside,
1: oh yeah, oh yeah, it did it was. I was too busy to think about me, and I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole, <laughs> you know. I just, um, yeah, that was, there's a lot to work on there, and mm-hmm. I'm getting there now. I can do it now.
0: Yep, yep, that's great. So yep. another question I'm going to add into this season, what's going on for you and your body right now? Because I ask this all the time for people in my group, in my challenge group, but can you tell me, can you tune into your body? And tell me what's happening in your body right now. I just feel,
1: I feel a bit cleansed, mm-hmm. to be honest. I haven't talked about that Black Saturday stuff much at all. And I obviously haven't had the revelation that I had about my drinking and connecting it to that. So I, yeah, I feel cleansed. I feel... um you know what I feel really good about my theory about doing this podcast with you was if I could do for one person what you do for so many hundreds of people and it probably just the ones that listen to your podcast you know that haven't even done your program for me if I can help if I can help one young mum who's back in that time with young kids and I don't want her to have the regrets that I have and the guilt that I have because there was stuff I didn't do, you know. My kids will never know because they were too young and whatnot, but stuff like, um, you know, resentment for um, not being able to drink because of something to do with kids. That's no No parent should live with the guilt of shit that I felt back then, you know. I took my kids on a scout camp once and um, my daughter was having nightmares. She was only about eight, I reckon, 10, maybe. I think it was after the fire. So she was probably 10 and um, she didn't want to stay at the school camp. But Colin and I had booked a beautiful Airbnb in Ballarat and, you know, we'd planned to have dinner here and wine here and this here. and, And all of a sudden they were telling me that I might have to come back and pick her up from the scout camp if she didn't settle. And, I was like what you know and we went back to Airbnb and I thought fuck I can't drink because I might have to go back and pick her up now fortunately I was a good parent and I didn't drink and you know I didn't have to go and pick her up but the resentment that I felt that I couldn't drink was ridiculous and that's just sad that's just sad
0: yeah, I remember Nat from the Mindful Octail in the podcast interview with her, her son, when her son was having an anaphylactic reaction. Oh, and she was thinking, really like, yeah. oh, for f- <laughs> <laughs> And I recall, I remember, you know, some <clears throat> kind of things. Like, yeah, not, yeah. Um,
1: the Friday nights, my sacred Friday nights when my kids turned 16, 17, 18 and wanted to go to parties. And, you know, we live in King Lake, so Parties for us were 40 minutes, 45 minutes at least away. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, fuck, it's Friday night, you know? Well, I'm not going to be able to have a drink. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, all totally that guilt. Right. So if I can get to one parent and get them to think about it now before they have to live with this shit, then it's been worth my while. So my body right now
0: is feeling pretty good. Awesome. That's so great. And what emotions are you feeling right now? joy.
1: yay! I'm so glad that I did it. And I I think it went well and I think it's good. And I feel like I've done a good thing.
0: Yay! That's so awesome. And you did, and you should feel joy and super proud of yourself. And it was, it was great. It was great to have you on and yeah, thank you so much for being so open and being willing to do this. So, you know, so early on and I hope this helps for people that uh, that are listening and that are you know tuning in at that are in their early days, um, you know it's it's going to be really helpful for them I'm sure and so again I think the takeaways today were you know like changing up doing something differently keeping busy like keep, yeah do keep yourself a bit busy try and do something that's perhaps a little bit different take photos of your wins and and the yes. things that you're doing and sharing it with people. Um, Feeling your feelings, you know, tuning into your body. What am I feeling right now? What's happening with me, and yeah. what emotions am I feeling? So those those things are going to be really, really helpful to people early on. And like I say, you don't need to join any challenge or no. anything to to do those things. You can do those things. Just keep um,
1: listening to people who've done it. That's what I do. Yeah, I still I'm still struggling. I'm only three and a half months. I'm still yeah. struggling. So I just keep listening to people who have successfully. And who are successfully having a bloody amazing, fabulous life without alcohol Yeah, because it's possible.
0: Yeah. yeah, totally. Listening to people and tuning in and, and, and maybe learning from people that are doing it, thriving. Thriving. <laughs> very different, very different to just being sober or to thriving in it so that's yeah. something as well, you know. Um, there
1: was a quote that you and Ash said in the, I think the very first podcast I listened to and I haven't got it so I can't quote it, properly, but it was something about um, I'm done with FOMO. I've had enough FOMO. Um, You know, I'm the same. I've been drinking for 40 years. There's nothing that I haven't done that I would be missing out on. I've done it all. So um, no more FOMO. It's now JOMO, joy of missing out because I'm so done with it. The joy of missing
0: out. That's Margaret from our group. I'm pretty sure that that's her token phrase now. She's got Jomo, the joy of missing out. And Ash and I were talking about that last night. We're having a laugh about that and just saying how good is it to to miss out, the joy of missing out. Yes.
1: (laughs) I think it's hers freedom of missing out. Ah, That's
0: it. it, That's it. That's Margaret. There's another one
1: I heard Jomo somewhere and it was like, that's what it's like. I'm so fucking done with the guilt. Oh, I love getting up in the morning and looking at myself in the mirror and going, you're fucking amazing.
0: Yes. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that mirror work that we do in the challenge, I know oh. everyone's like cringes when we get that. They're like, fuck no. And I've got everyone going, walking off to the mirror mid-call and telling themselves how much they love them. You know. Know. And the wink, the wink. <laughs> Give yourself a oh. wink in the mirror when you walk past. <laughs> oh, Danny, you're bloody amazing. You yeah. are too. I love it. Oh, you're amazing as well, Michelle. I'm so I just feel honoured to to know you, to also have you now in my orbit and in my life. And you know, you've brought so much to this challenge and and to all of us and, and everyone listening, you know, the thousands of people that are gonna listen to this. Oh my
1: God. I'm just glad it was a podcast and you didn't see my ugly crying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love ugly crying. I'm all about the ugly cry. Bring it on. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks, Danny. I'll see you in the breath work on Monday. Done. Bye, mate. So many of us feel stuck and unsure of how to make positive changes in life. Journaling is a proven way of keeping yourself on track and creating lasting change how i quit alcohol playbook will take you through 365 days of gratitude daily affirmation and loads of techniques to help you stay on track and head towards a clearer future head to the show notes or iquitalcohol.com.au to grab yourself a copy today